Hey, hey, everybody, quick intro before the intro to kick things off. First things first, I want to go ahead and thank you, that's right, you right now, for tuning in to this episode of Desert Tiger. Whether you are streaming or downloading this episode of the podcast, thank you so very much. And if you want to support the podcast one step further, you can hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever service you are listening on. Or if you want to go ahead even further than that, you can go ahead to the Desert Tiger Entertainment Facebook page, the Desert Tiger Podcast Instagram page, as well as my personal page, colton.gesh, that is C-O-L-T-O-N dot G-E-S-C-H on Instagram. On all three of those pages, we are kicking off an awesome contest today that's right the day that this episode dropped so if you're listening to this episode any other day than the thursday that this came out maybe you might want to hurry up and see if you still have a chance to win a one of a kind that's right there's only going to be two made of the desert tiger sweater that you are going to see on here you are also going to win a book from last week's guest alex mcgilvery you are also going to win music from past guests of the podcast And you're also going to win a copy of Heel Kick. That's right. Not only are we giving you a movie, not only are we giving you music, not only are we giving you a book, we're giving you a sick, comfortable sweater to enjoy it all in. I'm going to tell you guys more about that at the middle of the show. So let's kick this off and introduce our guest. Music. Athletics, arts, and entertainment. The Desert Tiger Podcast with Colton Geschwader. And as you guys know, that is me, your host every single Thursday, every single week here on the Desert Tiger Podcast. This week, my guest is the members of Florida pop punk band Felicity. That's right, we have every single member of Felicity with us today. Damien, the vocalist, the guitarists Andrew and Corey, the bassist Mike, and of course, Tyler, their drummer. We got all the guys together and we talked all things Felicity, the entire like span of the band up to now, including some of what is in the future for these Florida pop punkers. So, what did we talk about exactly? Well, we talked about how Felicity came together, how these five differently inspired individuals found each other, and how they feel that this is the lineup that describes them best. How they came to work with producer Andrew Wade, that's right, legendary producer who has worked with A Day to Remember, Motionless and White, Neck Deep, The Ghost Inside, the list goes on and on. They have worked with Andrew for all three of their EPs. We're going to talk about all of them. Wait a second, did you say three EPs, Colton? I did say three EPs. That's right. We're going to talk about how Felicity has a new EP coming at you this year. They are super excited about that. We're also going to talk about how some of the festivals that the boys have performed. We're going to talk about 
their experiences with Warped Tour. We're also going to talk about their experiences at Vans Warped Tour Rewind at Sea, where they shared the stage with the likes of Good Charlotte, made a parade, story of the year, and simple plan. And they have a fantastic story about the lead singer of story of the year and it includes a cover of a band that pretty much everybody loves so you guys are definitely gonna want to hold on for that story this episode is fantastic i loved talking to the felicity guys and i hope you guys are just as excited for this episode as i am and to get you just as hype, just as excited, just as in the mood to hear the Felicity guys talk about the entire history of the band and what they have in store for the future. We have to go ahead and play you some music by the band, of course. So we're going to go ahead and kick things off with the band's latest single. This is called The City Beautiful.
Desert Tiger Podcast. All right, we're here with the members of Felicity. If you guys can introduce yourselves and what you play in the band, that would be awesome. Sweet, sweet. I'm Damien. I am the vocalist. My name's Andrew. I play guitar. My name is Corey. I play guitar. My name's Tyler, and I play drums. And I'm Mike. I play bass. Awesome. We got the whole band together. I love it. What's up? It's shocking that we got, we're all together, but we're here, man. <laughs> How often do you actually get all the troops in one room, right? Well, I mean, quite it, often, actually. Well, like, if, you, if we just play the show and, like, wrap the show and we're hanging out, it may be hard to get us all in one place, but, uh, or before a show, like, you know, until we are on stage, it's kind of like sometimes we have to play yeah. hide and go seek. It's like a game of Where's Waldo before and after a show trying but, to get a But, you know, we us. get together to practice mandatory two or three times a week, and we do shows on weekends, and uh, then when we're, when we're on tour and stuff, we can't get, it, can't get out of each other's sights, so uh, we definitely have plenty of time together, that's for sure. Awesome, awesome. So how did Felicity end up coming together? Tell me about the start of the band. Oh, Damien can certainly do that. Yeah, well, uh, well, like we were saying before, um, <laughs> we are a Craigslist band. It is, um, it's weird that we didn't all kill each other and, and stuff like that, but like we were all pretty normal, and I started just putting out a post on Craigslist uh, looking for a, a couple members, you know, just wanting to start out a band, seeing what was if something could potentially happen. And uh, that's when Drew, uh, the lead guitar player, um, you know, messaged me back and he was just, he was like, Hey man, uh, let's, let's do a jam session. And from there we, uh, we kind of gelled a little bit and we had like five or six songs that we wrote and we would just play constantly for hours in my, um, my parents' garage. Uh, this yeah, was how a couple cliche. of years back. <laughs> I know. Super cliche, but, um, yeah, we would just play five or six songs, and we'd play them for hours. And then after a while, we're we're like, you know what? We need to, you know, see if we could expand and start playing out more. So we started looking for more members. That's when Mike came in uh, on bass, and then we found um, Corey lead guitar, and then we had Tyler on drums. And we went through some member changes, you know, as any band is gonna do, you know, uh, through their career. And uh, I feel like this lineup is probably one of the most strongest that we have now, and I'm so grateful to have these guys here with us and that's kind of how it started and we just started playing a bunch of shows all over florida and then it kind of just you know took took off off from there there, yeah yeah okay so right off the bat you guys were writing your own music and playing shows were you guys doing covers like how far were you guys traveling at this point before you were actually recording and releasing music well damien originally was like in a cover band and he kind of quit the cover band too because he wanted to start an original band so okay. when I when I first met him and we had our first band practice ever, I feel like we we played a couple covers. We played like yeah, was a few. we would play like "What It Is to Burn" by Finch, and we would play. Uh, I think we'd play, disaster was. We play Bush. Right. Was it Glycerin or not Glycerin? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Glycerin. Machine Head. Oh, Machine Head. oh man, your memory is good, dude. Like, yeah, so so that that's kind of like you know you got to have kind of starting point, but we kind of started right away writing music and because we each we each kind of had like an idea that we were working on individually and then we would just bring it to each other yeah and then you were just like oh let's see if i could add something on there yeah and and, you know starting out we would have like a drummer come in and be like yeah i want to start i'm going to be in this band and then they would come to like two practice and then was like stop showing up so for the first i'd say probably majority of the first few months it was really just damien and i 
like two guys with half stack guitar amps just playing really loud yeah. guitar and writing songs and then um over the course of a year um we added the, the you know added members and started playing shows and we were always an all original band we've never we've always you know dabbled in some covers for fun or to fill out a set or for you know for whatever reason but we've definitely been a always since the beginning an all original band i would say even the touring too is with originals and maybe the occasional cover yeah, but it we really it's, we really didn't branch much out of Orlando until we had our first EP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played a couple shows outside. Like we would try to get we we played like you know we played the, the close cities to Orlando, like Tampa and Jacksonville, and then we went on our first U.S. tour um, when we released our first EP, and then the, did the same thing the following summer after that. So um, pretty much that's how it started. You know, it's always good to have a cover in your back pocket if. If you're in a city you've never played before, and maybe you're just trying to get the crowd engaged a little bit, if you pull out pull out some Blink-182 or Jimmy World, it usually gets them going. So we try to have that, you know, just in case. Mm-hmm, definitely. Have something that you know they're going to catch on to and get them moving. Like, exactly, yep. exactly. Definitely, without a doubt. So at what point did you guys end up recording then? Did you guys take a few years to polish off these tracks then before you actually went into studio? So so when I came – this is Mike, by the way. Okay. Uh, when, I, when I jumped in, um, there was already a handful of songs that were done, but the EP hadn't been released yet. And I said, well, now that we have all the pieces, we might as well record an EP. And the band had existed for just a little over a year, I think, right yeah, around a year yeah, at that point. Um, and at that point, I said, all right, well, I know somebody in a studio who can get the job done. And I would say in maybe three months' time after that, we had a four-song EP that we were ready to release. And we put it out there, and we, we got onto a Sunfest in South Florida. We opened for Fall Out Boy. That was, a, that was an amazing show opportunity. Um, that led to us getting um, what came after it. We got to play Warp Tour. Warp Tour, yep. Warp, the Orlando Warp Tour date, and um, and I would say in that first in that first year when I joined up, we had the the EP out. We had the second EP going, mm-hmm. and we were gigging pretty regularly around Orlando and around Florida. Yeah, usually when, every other week. When we first started, we would pretty much not say no to a show opportunity, whether there was. Five people, we played for five people, we played for 500 people that first year. <laughs> and we would just not say no. Like, hey, do you want to play this show? It's all acoustic bands and you. Yes. Do you want to play this show? It's all metal bands and you. Yes. Like, <laughs> we would just do any opportunity to get the word out. And and usually at first, at first when we were just starting, you know, sending all these emails out and messages out, a lot of these venues would say, would either not respond or just say no in terms of, because we were, you know, we're smaller at that moment. So yeah. I understand. You know, but like we, it's still, you know, we had the drive to say like, oh, I don't want to give up. I still want to keep on trying to play this venue. So we would play like, like there was this one or two place, um, one or two places that would constantly have shows and they were smaller and they would be like, yeah, you guys could play this. So we were legit playing that venue probably every other weekend yeah. just, just to get out there and get some exposure. You know, we were I mean? just open for yeah. every single touring act. Yeah. <laughs> every single touring, cause these bigger venues wouldn't allow us to have that opportunity mm-hmm. and, uh, just that hustle you know what i mean it's just that drive that no matter what you do you still want to play no matter where it is and that's what we did that the first couple of years we and just played those same venues same spots all the time and really just hustled it out until we started these other venues would start saying 
yeah, you guys could, you know, come over yeah. here. You guys could play one show over here. That year of us hustling and just playing these, you know, hole-in-the-wall, no-name venues and yeah. just... That was even almost before we had music out. And, and on, then we released the EP and we got to play a little bit bigger venues. And then, like, that all led to us getting enough of our name to where we were able to be introduced to um, Andrew Wade, who is uh, a you know gold record producer who produces everyone from A Day to Remember to Neck Deep to Wage War. Um, he's just did the new Real Friends record. But uh, we had built enough name for ourselves that he was actually willing to do our second EP. And so, like, you know, as much as that motivates us to work with someone like that and how much we learn from him, it all dates back to that one year of us pretty much, like, you know, not sleeping on weekends and playing sh- as many shows as we can and never saying no and hustling and grinding and being told no hundreds of times to lead us to be able to, you know, record that second EP with Andrew Wade. And now we've actually done a third since then as well with him. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, man. It's it, it's a, it's such a, an amazing opportunity. It's And we're humbled by it, too, to have that opportunity to be in Orlando and work with a producer of that caliber is is just dream come true crazy yeah, yeah. It's, it's we amazing. never we never thought that you know mm-hmm, absolutely so how has your music evolved over the course of your eps and how has having a producer like andrew wade influenced your guys' songwriting over the course of three eps as well I would say dynamics were definitely more involved with the latter two eps just because when you're when you're when you're working with somebody like like Wade, he just brings in different perspectives that you probably wouldn't have considered. But with that much experience, he just has that vision for it. So the songs came out just more dynamic, um, you know, v- varying parts, sounds bigger, sounds fuller, transitions are more fluid. Attention to detail, like yeah. Yeah. how did we go from the verse to the chorus? All right, now in this next song, that last song, we went from the verse to the chorus. This way, maybe it was a build-up, maybe it was a pick slide, maybe it was this. So let's differentiate, let's come up with something new, let's never repeat the same thing in the same song, let's not repeat this, what we did in that song, and the next song. It's like finding a process for every song and making sure every part has its purpose and not just putting like filler stuff in there yeah. and getting every song to be cohesive within itself. Yeah, I'd say that's like and his his main strong point. Yeah, he, he gets yeah. you like asking yourself questions about you know what's the part trying to say? What what, did, what, what should it lead into? Yeah, what were you trying to say in this lyric? What was this song supposed to be about? What was this? Good, why did you write it this way? Like even especially like Wade, he's very like he's very focused on like vocal production. That's where he likes to spend a lot of time when he's producing, and he'll analyze and tear apart and go through every syllable, every letter, every vowel, and just work with lyrics and melodies with you and harmonies and just really get the song to sound and feel the way it's supposed to. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I think just writing-wise, too, in terms of lyrics, um, in the beginning, you're just focusing on getting your music out there as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And um, you're not really focusing as much on the message that you're trying to send. But I think as we... um, developed you know our music and these latest batch of songs like we focused more on sending a message and um just just connecting with people through the lyrics and i think that was another thing that we kind of evolved with our music yeah okay so the lyrics have evolved definitely you say yeah it's kind of it's kind of been you know with working with him the first time 
we kind of realized how little we almost knew what we were doing. You know, the first yeah. EP, we had had songs that we'd been playing for almost a year, and we had written in a garage, and we went and just recorded the versions of those songs that we had written. And they were top-notch versions of the songs we had written. But then when we went to work with Andrew, he sat down and just stripped down the song part by part and made it. And we questioned, what's the purpose of this at part? What's the purpose of these lyrics? What's yeah. the message we're trying to get across exactly. in this song? What's, how's this song possibly relate to another song on the record? And really look at each individual part, even the smallest thing as a, a pre-chorus. You know, Everything has, has to have its place and its purpose. And we had mm-hmm. never even looked at our own songs underneath those microscopes. And he taught us to do that. So then we went back and we recorded this 30p with him we were able to kind of do that process on our own before we even uh went to him for to record it and then you know we even went deeper so like every it's like almost we're getting to another level of the matrix every time we go <laughs> do another record with him yeah mm-hmm. I, I agree i just think the the lyrics have evolved the messages that we're trying to send we're just trying to connect with as many people as we possibly can because that's when i listen to music that's what i look for i look for a connection with the lyrics and, um, you know, everything else kind of falls into place after that for me personally, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's different for people out there, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. There's a lot of people who want to be able to connect to the artists that they're listening to and actually understand that they're not alone feeling these things and having songs that they can feel connected to and actually like inspire them is amazing so what are some of those messages that you guys are trying to get out there well there there will be the the cliche relationship type songs that will come up um it's pop well, punk right oh, it's pop exactly yeah, songs, the pop punk elements we, always come we, out we've written I, i'll tell my Andrew, i mean relationship stuff and um uh, you know some stuff about being betrayed by people, not only not, not even like loved ones, but friends, and um, there's also just a lot of in perseverance. As perseverance well in terms is a big theme through our music. Hanging on, no matter how many times you're told you no, know, or you can't, you know, you can't do do something. You know, in terms of keep keep on striving for whatever you want in life, and that's a lot of our messages in our songs. And I feel like that's that's something that everyone faces in life. You know, they're they're constant disappointment, but then you'll have that that one spark where where someone will be. You know, give you that chance, and and or just give you that opportunity, and that's we write a lot of material like that, and just also just like everyday events in life, in terms of like we have a song called Week and Worrier, which uh, kind of dabbles in the work experiences and having to work to survive, when sometimes it's not like a job that you really want, you know, but mm-hmm. you, I mean, you have to do it, you know what I mean, because you, you know, need to survive, you know what I mean. Following your dreams and about how much you hate your job, yeah. but hopefully it's. <laughs> At least for us, it's allowing us to strive for greater things. We even wrote a song just about Florida. Yeah, we wrote a song about what it's like living in Florida, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but that song can relate to others as well, because there's other messages in there, too, where if you're not from Florida, you'll think about something else yeah, that will like bring we, you home. We it's talk about, about being at your hometown. Yeah, yeah just some, loving where you're from and not the generic, oh, I hate, my, I hate my town. I want yeah. to get out. And always just wanting to go back to your roots, kind of. And that's I feel like that's that's something that people sometimes lose because they kind of lose their identity where they're from. And I feel like that song kind of helps them in terms of, like, remembering where they're, where they're at and just know where they come from, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely, for sure. And it's it. Is some people need to understand that because when you're younger, like a lot of the pop punk niche is, is you want to run away from your hometown and escape everything. But 
later on in life, you might have fonder memories of that. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's, that's a couple messages that we've kind of like, uh, put in, uh, these recent, this, uh, recent material that we've been putting out. Awesome. That is very awesome. So let's talk a little bit more about your guys' live experience. Like you said earlier, you guys have had the chance to play on the Orlando stages and Warp Tour. You guys have done the Vans Warped Rewind at Sea. You've done a ton of different festivals. So tell me a little bit about those experiences. Let's let's start with the cruise. The cruise is is amazing. (laughs) Uh, you You're playing with some big names, dude, huge free, names, huge all names. The free beer you can imagine. Oh yeah, all the free <laughs> so we got none of us. A lot of us had never even left the country, and a lot of us had most of us had never been on a cruise. So we got to kind of do both. We got to go to Mexico for the first time for most of us and leave the country, and we all got to go on our first cruise. Not only that, but they basically had like a mini warp tour every single day on the cruise. So all the the entire lineup played every day. So oh, it was wow. like warp. Like you would, you could run around from stage to stage, and there was probably six stages in the on the cruise ship, and see like Good Charlotte or Mayday Parade or and they, uh, and they would mix it up where like maybe Good Charlotte would play on the main stage one night, but the next night they would be at a smaller venue, venue doing an acoustic set only, and then maybe on the third night they're on the second biggest stage in the middle of the day, and they just kind of change things around, so if you, you plan it out, you could definitely see yeah. every band you wanted to see, <laughs> but just being in that small contained environment with only people who are into that type of music, they're about it. Uh, rocking out, going crazy, and and then at the same time, you can just be hanging out in one of the pool deck like hot tubs, and then you see Mayday Parade and and the lead singer is playing with his child because they all brought their families on and they're just walking around, mingling with the crowd, and it was just a a very unique experience, and we really hope that 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 they put it on again. Yeah, and I think we're forgetting to mention the most greatest moment ever. The dude was jumped off and broke his leg. Edit both of those. <laughs> the best part was having was playing with our one of our idols from Story of the Year, the lead singer Dan Marsala. Um, we got to do a song with him. Um, we were doing a cover song, Lincoln Park, um, and it was he came on stage with us and he was super cool about it, and that was such a great memory for us and experience. And he was so cool and down to earth. And Story of the Year is such an influence on me personally, and I think a lot of these guys in, in the band. And having that experience was amazing. Yeah, having him willing to come up on stage and you know pay tribute to one of his personal friends, who was Chester Bennington, and yeah. that we grew up idolizing. And we got to do it on the final night of the cruise on the main stage. So, like, every, you know, it was... They basically had every every band got to play a cover from a, uh, a band that had a rock star who had passed away. So everyone's getting on stage in a really quick kind of, you know, Open get on, get off. Yeah, the amps are already up there. Just bring up your guitar and plug in. And we bumped into uh, Dan Marsala one night and just straight up asked him. And he said he'd be down and... Wham bam, two days later he shows up on time, ready to do it, Dude, does it everything like perfectly. A hero, a hero moment. Like, yeah. It was yeah. like to the buzzer. He's nowhere to be found. We're yeah. panicking. We're <laughs> we like, weren't oh, sure if he was gonna show up and then at the buzzer he just shows up with a beer in his hand. He's like, Yo, let's do it and we're like, Yo yeah. So we get up and we played we played one step closer and he sang all of Chester's parts and Damien got to sing all of 
the Mike Shiota parts, and then afterwards we all got off stage and we took shots, and he talked to us about the music industry and gave us words of wisdom and just hung out with us and gave us, you know, an hour, half hour, an hour of his personal time. He could have been doing anything. And, and to hang out with an upcoming band who idolizes him. So it really, you know, made us grow so much respect for him and his band. And, I mean, none of us will ever forget that moment no, for sure. No. That Yeah, how could you? I mean, like, getting a moment like that is once in a lifetime pretty much. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we savored it for sure. So that I mean that was really cool getting to play it at Sunfest. Um, we we they have they had a few regional bands they allow every year to play Sunfest, and when they told us we got it, we were like, "That's awesome!" Like we play Sunfest, big music festival. We're probably gonna play some small side yeah. B and stage. They told us that we're, <laughs> we're playing the main stage, and we're on the final day, and we're at, on the final night in between the Pixies and Fallout Boy. Oh so, my so, lord! So the Pixies, the, the Pixies, the, like, where's my mind? And then we played, yeah. and then Fallout Boy. Played. Uh, there's this picture I took of being side stage when the Pixies were playing "Where Is My Mind," and and it was a snapshot. It just said, "Yeah, they're they're opening for us right now." <laughs> it, Looking at that sea of people there to see the Pixies, and we're thinking, wow, and we're going on after those guys, and we better deliver. Uh, and the, cra- the crowd stuck around, and the Fall Out Boy crowd started showing up, and it, next thing we know, yeah. we're playing in front of 1,100 people. It's still probably the biggest show it, it was. It was definitely the, the most crowd. Yeah. It was crazy. And just, just to, to be that new of a band and getting such an opportunity and just having the, the power and control of the crowd to say, you know, let me hear your voice, put your hands in the air and scream, and seeing a thousand people do that. And that we never experienced yeah. that. It was incredible. And surprisingly, a lot of the crowd was uh, was into it, and we weren't expecting that. Yeah, we, we were we, kind of they like, didn't know They didn't know who we they were. They didn't have to stick around yeah. for, for We came uh, off the know, stage, and we were like, hey, if you want – you know, if you want to say, hey, we're going to go over to our Mercy and after we play. Oh, and we had him blind for about an hour, hour straight of these hour. kids wanting our autographs. And I think that was the first time any, t- any of us had been, like, asked to for, sign yeah. things. Yeah. And that I, consistently. And, like, and that it was, was, it was just crazy because we had just started this band less than a year ago. And we, you know, didn't feel deserving of being there. But it was so amazing. And, like, if anything, it just motivated us more. And yeah. now that's almost three years ago now or two and a half years ago now. And... To see the, we can still get all these awesome opportunities and still getting to do it, you know, it's just really a dream come true. Yeah. Moments like that just make us feel like we're doing something right, you know, at at, yeah. at some point. And you know, you don't always get those opportunities, but when you when we when we get them, we take them. And yeah, we love it. You know? I, I can still remember just walking around hours later, and the people would would recognize us and say, "Hey, you were in that band that played earlier, Felicity. Let me take a picture with you." And I still remember right at the end of Fall Out Boy's set. I was hanging out behind the guardrail area, and some people asked to take a picture of me, but then other people saw those people taking a picture of me, so then they wanted to take more pictures. And then it just becomes this, this mini moment of you know, you're, you're giving those people your time, and they feel appreciative of that, and then it just starts paying it forward and kind of got the ball rolling, really. Yeah, yeah for sure. And then when we got to do the Warp Tour main stage of Orlando was oh, yeah. special to us because – we got to go right before um, Yellow, Yellow Card, Card, and it was their final Warp Tour, and they're actually another Florida band. So it was almost like their final hometown Warp Tour ever as a band, yeah. and we got to go right before that. So that was really special to us, and getting to yeah. see them backstage. And and not we had been a band for maybe two or three years, and we had the current lineup for when we got to do um, that show. So it was really special because we got to really – this lineup is like – 
the Felicity lineup. Like, there's been some before it, but this is the one that's, you know, gotten us to where we are. And us getting to share that moment together and to us all saying, like, we've been going to Warp Tour since we were in, uh, you know, high school. And us all getting to share this moment and play, you know, Warp Tour finally after all these years of Dreamfield do it and getting to do it and getting to play right before Yellow Card and to have the city of Orlando come out to support us the way they did um, was super special. Yeah. Uh, so, you know... It's been a whirlwind. Um, we wouldn't trade anything for the world. And, you know, we just keep working our asses off so we can hope that this is just the beginning for us. Yeah, without a doubt. And getting opportunities like that definitely makes the hard work worth it. Even oh, man. 100%. 100%. And yeah. can't forget the House of Blues opportunities we've had. Yeah. Being able to just have a rapport with a prestigious venue like House of Blues Orlando where you can just reach out to them every six, seven months and say, hey, we'd like to do an Orlando Rocks locals-only show, and they just let us put it together. And all of a sudden, you're you're able to say, hey, come to House of Blues on Disney property for a for a free show and rock out with all only local Orlando bands. And we've probably done that four or five times now, and just it's it's just establishing that that fan base and momentum, and then just keeping the train going. Yeah, it's really. And it definitely shows the trust that Sunfest and the House of Blues have in you to be willing to allow you those opportunities as well. Yeah, well, and they, well, they see they see we hustle and where we we you know put our name out there and say, look, you know, love it, hate it, check it out, and come see us and um, interact with us. That's the other thing with social media and just being very much in tune with the fan base and having dialogue with them has helped to keep all the momentum building and uh, stay in in these people's ears who can control the House of Blues shows and the Sunfest and all of that. Um, so so yeah, you know, just keep keep plugging along. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. So some of your singles, uh, "Burn the World" and "Hang On," have actually made it onto a couple different television opportunities. What's it like to have your music played on a national TV program? It's weird because, like, when you watch a lot of like MTV stuff or like Discovery, you hear hear like a cool little groove. And you're like, "Oh, that's a cool track." And you don't think about it, and then you see who the artist is, and you're like, "Oh." Wow, I've heard of that band, but when it's like your own stuff, you're like, I don't deserve this. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's be surreal. Yeah, it's definitely a weird experience, but um, yeah, we. I don't even know the last time we like because we. They said we had burn the world and hang on. I don't. Yeah, know the last yeah. Time. So that that was that was. It's just, it's definitely like surreal. Whenever you hear your own music, either on the radio or on a TV show or anywhere other than like or on the cruise or on the cruise, <laughs> so they'd, they'd be playing our music. We'd walk into the hallway and they'd be playing our music. I swear, every time I went to the bathroom, I would hear our song on the cruise, right? and I was just like, "This is so weird." But I stayed in the bathroom until the song. Finished, it's like you so would yeah. go in the bathroom and like tonight would be playing, and then as soon as you walked out. It'd be like a Mayday Parade song, like, wait, go back yeah, to the bathroom. Yeah. It's like, That's why I stayed in the bathroom. This is weird. Yeah, it's still crazy. We still, I mean, all of it, from the, the shows we get to play to the ways that our music has been used to the, some of the comments we get or every time we get a merch order and we have to ship merch to oh, Transylvania gosh. or, you know, wherever it may be that we're like, how is how are people finding us in these countries? You're like, it's all surreal and we still, like, still don't, I don't know if we'll ever get used to it, but uh, it's just, you know, living the dream and anything, it just motivates us to work harder. That's a great answer. Awesome. 
All right, dudes, this has been a great chat so far. I'm having an awesome time. I still have a ton of great questions for you, like what some of your high school influences were and what some of your favorite songs from your own catalog are. But of course, before I can get to that, I gotta take a moment to tell the Desert Tiger listeners how they can win some sweet swag courtesy of Desert Tiger and some of the past guests that we have had here on the podcast. So of course, you heard me at the top of the show tell you about how we have a sweet, comfortable, awesome-looking sweater. Well, let me tell you, it is one of a kind, because the one you see on the Facebook page, on the Desert Tiger Podcast Instagram page, on my personal Instagram page, Colton.Gesh, that is mine. That is mine. That is the promo copy of this giveaway. I wanted one for myself because I thought it looked so sick. So, whoever wins this giveaway, we are going to get you this sweater in whatever size you are. That's right, there is no restriction. So, whatever size that you are that fits you comfortably, you are going to look amazing in this golden yellow printed Desert Tiger logo sweater just for you. That's right, just for you. We're also going to give you some music from past guests like Tanner Sear. How would you like to win all three of Tanner Sear's albums, including his upcoming album, A Storm You Can Weather? That's right, we're gonna give you all three of them and we're gonna get him to sign them for you. We also have a copy of one of Alex McGilvery's collections of short stories signed by the author himself. And that is also going to be given away to the winner of this contest. And don't worry, if you're not really into the books, and maybe you want something to watch, maybe you want something to appease your eyes visually, like a movie, well how about we give you a copy of Heel Kick to enjoy? Leo-nominated film Heel Kick, which stars past guest Danny Mac. That's right, not only are we giving you an amazing looking, comfortable sweater, we are giving you some amazing music from past guests. We're giving you a book so that you can open it up and enjoy beside the fireside or with a cup of tea outside in the sun, however you enjoy your reading. And we're also going to give you one of the funniest movies released this year for those rainy days when you want to stay inside. So now that we've told you about the things that you can win, we're going to play you a little bit more Felicity and then we're going to tell you how you can win those items. So this song is also a very recent single by Felicity and you are going to hear them talk about it a bit when I ask them what their favorite songs are from their own catalog. This is Circles.
Alright you guys, I hope that got you excited and hyped up to hear about how you're going to win all this sweet swag from your friends here at Desert Tiger and some of the past guests on the podcast. So like I said before, we're going to be running this on Facebook and Instagram on three different pages. It's going to be on the Desert Tiger Entertainment page on Facebook the Desert Tiger podcast page on Instagram, as well as my personal page on Instagram, colton.gesh, that is C-O-L-T-O-N dot G-E-S-C-H. Now, liking all of those pages is going to get you entered once into this contest. Liking the post regarding the contest is going to get you entered as well. Tagging a friend in a comment for a friend who you think is going to look amazing in this golden yellow Desert Tiger logo sweater, that's going to not only enter you one entry into this contest, but it's also going to enter your friend into this contest. Sharing the Facebook post is going to get you three entries into the contest, And if you take a screenshot of the post and share it on your Instagram story and tag both accounts, that being Desert Tiger Podcast and Colton.Gesh, you are going to get five entries into this contest. That is right. There is so many different ways to get entered into this that I am going to have to hire Scott Steiner in order to keep track of all the math for me. So head on over to the Desert Tiger Entertainment page, the Desert Tiger Podcast page, and my personal page, colton.gesh, and get entered into this contest now. And I know that some of you are going to say, well, if there's, is it just one big old grand prize? No, because I have some almost alien albums kicking around from back when I was in my touring days with them. And let's say that I'll throw in... 25 copies of Crash Landing to be won by different people who do not win the grand prize. And I'm also going to throw in some Desert Tiger stickers to go along with that copy of Almost Aliens Crash Landing. So there's 26 different opportunities to win, 25 secondary prizes, and one grand prize. So get on over to all three of these pages, give them a follow, like the post, tag a friend in the comment who you think is going to look awesome in this clothing, and go ahead and share the post, either on Facebook or in your Instagram story tagging both of the pages I've listed, that being Desert Tiger Podcast and Colton.Gesh. Why your story, you might ask? I'm asking you to post this in your story so that you don't actually have to affect the content of your actual page in order to win this contest. That's because I care about you guys. I know that your guys' feed is important to you, so I want to keep it clean, and that's why we're going to post it in the story. If I share in my story or in my Facebook feed multiple times daily? Does that enter me into the contest multiple times? Of course it does. Why wouldn't it? 
So go ahead, get to these pages, and do this now. Okay, you guys, now that I've told you everything that you can win, now that I've told you all the different possible ways that you can get entered into this contest, let's get back to the boys in Felicity. The Desert Tiger Podcast. All right, so let's step a little bit into the history of Felicity, a little bit further into into the members. Let's talk your high school influences. Who are the bands that you just couldn't live without? Easy. Very easy. <laughs> uh, I got my uh, I, I, I already know. It's, it's so easy. So I started playing uh, bass in the middle of high school, and I really got into the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rage Against the Machine, and Incubus. Those were my primary um, bands. Just the bass lines that I picked up from them were just easy enough to learn for a beginner level, and, and then I kind of stuck with it. And uh, that kind of 90s rock... Um, kind of funk stuff is, is what led me into playing bass more. But but then I branched out, and I got into more of the 90s grunge, Nirvana, Bush was good to listen to, uh, Tool. Um, all those kinds of bands sort of led me into the you know early 2000s pop punk, story of the year type of music. And, and then from there, it's just whatever I was able to gobble up and play. But I guess fundamentally started with uh, the Chili Peppers and Rage and, and Incubus. Um, yeah, those are great choices, man. Like, what are you, what are you how am I supposed man? to like in high school? High school. In high school, I'm gonna go with. That's uh, easy because that was me like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Or he's still a baby. So. For me, a uh, huge, huge influence on me in high school. I'm remembering was was definitely um the band Finch, who uh, you know had that huge single "What It Is to Burn," but that whole first album was amazing for me. I would just listen to it front to back and. Um, they're not, you know, talked about as much, but they were just doing great things. They're definitely one know. of those more like influential bands influential than, band. than like straightforward popular bands. Yeah. And like, and then just uh, a couple other bands like Third Eye Blind was definitely a, a big influence on me, just lyrically um, and um, melody wise. And also, uh, A Day to Remember was was a big influence of mine and. I still remember those days just listening to those albums nonstop in high school and just all my friends were like not really listening to all that type music as well. So I was the only one. So it was kind of, it was cool to be the whole carrying that torch. It was cool to be carrying that, that torch. You know what I mean? But that, that's, that's mine. Tyler, why don't don't you go? You haven't spoken in a while. Um, Isn't yours five finger death punch dude? (laughs) They say five finger death punch is mine, but it, I like them. They're fine, but it was yeah. not in high school. I wasn't listening. Oh, let's see. In high school, I was more into the, I guess I would say, 90s music. So Foo Fighters is one of my biggest influences. Dave Grohl's just a man. He's pretty much the reason why I started playing an instrument in the first place. He's got like 10 tattoos. Of he has Dave Grohl's <laughs> face tattooed on his back. I do, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. And he had the, the entire sleeve matching Dave Grohl's <laughs> sleeve. Like he got a matching tattoos as Dave Grohl's tattoos. I also, did, I also did a tattoo on myself of the Foo Fighter logo. <laughs> also don't, scary. don't try that at home. Yeah, yeah don't do that. Yeah, um, let's see. And then I started getting into like the heavier music. So like, it's weird. I went from listening to Foo Fighters and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Incubus to like straight up death metal. Uh, I've been in all different kinds of bands and I don't know how it happened, it just did, and I loved it. 
Uh, I think Lamb of God was my first metal band that I absolutely ah, loved. Ah, yes. Like, well, besides Metallica. Mm-hmm. And then it started getting a lot crazier. Like, first. Yeah, I, I did actually in high school for a little you bit. You do own some five <laughs> dance bunch merch, so. Yeah. Um, for me, I, in high school, I was actually more of a classic rock junkie, so I was in a, I was in a, a band that kind of was classic rock influence, and my, my heroes were Jimmy Page, Led Zeppelin, and uh, Randy Rhodes, so all of Ozzy's early music, and Iron Maiden was one of my favorite bands, um, Guns N' Roses, yeah, yeah, all the irons, uh. Slash uh, was one of my favorite guitar players of all time, still is, so uh, Guns N' Roses, obviously. And then um, when I got like closer out of high school is when I started getting into more heavier music. Uh, Metallica was another huge influence to me in, in high mm-hmm. school. And then uh, I got into heavier music and you know got into the whole – started going to Warp Tour in high school, so that kind of broadened my horizons and uh, – Got into Coyne and Cambria in high school, and they're one of my favorite bands to this day. Favorite and, band of all time, right here. Yeah, they, there you go. Me too, man. My favorite band of all time. Um, we're actually going to see them with Take Back Sunday in a couple oh. months. Oh, but, man. I am so jealous. Uh, yeah, so I'm super excited for that. Um, so, yeah, that was me. I'll let Corey go. High school was like two years ago for him, so. <laughs> so um, very fresh. In his he's going to be like uh, uh, Migos. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Despacito. <laughs> um, similar to like Drew, I grew up a lot um, listening to a lot of like '60s and '70s influence stuff. Um, I started getting into guitar due to a lot of George Harrison's songwriting and like John Lennon's songwriting and like Jimi Hendrix and a lot of like the blues rock guys of like Woodstock era. And then I started listening to a lot of like Eagles and Fleetwood Mac and Chicago and Huey. And then Lewis. when I got into high school, I discovered, because I started music at a very young age with, like, piano and violin and stuff. And then when I got into high school, I discovered 80s glam hair metal and just, oh, like, yeah. fell in love. Went to that Bowie phase. Oh, fuck, yeah, I did. Loved it. Dude, it was awesome. Like, Nikki Bowie's Six bond. was, like, a huge influence. Um, <clears throat> Randy, <clears throat> Randy Rhodes was another big one. Like, Warren, like, all the big, just teased up hair and just the cheesy mm-hmm. music videos yeah. and um <laughs> yeah it was insane and then i started going to like jerusalem like went to warp tour and started discovering a lot more broader thing that was happening a lot more current so i started getting into pop punk music um all the way from like 70s hardcore to like present early 2000s pop punk and then like in high school some of the bands i was in like we were opening up for bands like um Forever came calling, heart to heart, and like last call and stuff, and then just kept it going through high school, uh, like college and stuff. So yeah, yeah, nice. It's yeah, so diverse, you could say yeah. diverse, yes. diverse background. We're very touch of bunch here. Uh-huh. Yes, very a lot of influences for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Which is kind of why if you listen to our records, like it kind of like bounces like we have a lot of some heavier stuff and we have some just straightforward pop punk stuff and some straightforward rock stuff and it's like we don't ever want to say like necessarily say like you know we can only be one genre necessarily like we want to just be ourselves and write music that we would want to listen to well definitely right why pigeonhole yourself in one genre when you're not going to feel the same way every single day absolutely And, and that's one thing we love about bands like four year strong and 
a day to remember and in like a chunk of Kevin Chung, some of those those modern easy core, hardcore mixed with pop punk bands. Even going back to Newfound Glory where they were like mixing started mixing hardcore elements and heavier elements into their music. Um, but still we're like, you know, just a fun pop punk rock band and that's what we just want to be. We just want to have fun playing our songs and writing our songs. We want to have people have fun listening to them. So whether they're in a circle pit or a mosh pit or just jumping up and down, we want to try to uh, get all the categories. Yeah, like a hybrid. Yeah, like a little bit of everything at our shows. So if you come to our shows, you should be doing a little bit of it all, which is which we love. We never want to just, you know, write, like a lot if you're in like a death metal band, like you're expected to just write this style. And if you don't, then you're like, oh, they sold out. I don't like them anymore. Like we came to the party playing tons of different genres and kind of mixing it up. So uh, that's kind of what we just keep doing. Yeah, without a doubt. It's a little hard for people to tell you that you sold out if you're constantly doing different things the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, yeah, it's helped us also, you know, be able to play shows with bands that are way heavier than us and bands where we're the heaviest band on the lineup, you know. Um, that's really helped us a lot too in our career because we were able to take on a lot more shows and be asked to play a lot more shows because we had that kind of diversity in our sound. Mm -hmm. And it allows you guys to be introduced to a much larger array of people for sure, which definitely could bring more people to your fan base. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So do you guys have a favorite song to play or listen to from your own catalog? Um, Corey really <laughs> likes the song Reflections. Oh my <laughs> he god! Tells us that you're still you're going. Yeah, until I die, Reflections is gonna be that's gonna be big. I get really, still get really excited to play Burn the World. Uh, I it's one of those ones where it's probably the song we've played the most out of all our songs. Is we we played it at least once or twice every single practice. We played it at every single show. Yeah, it's yeah. also been was one of the like. I guess older songs of all the songs we've written and for some reason like and then it's one of my favorite songs to listen to you know that that if I do listen to our music like so I've just every time it gets me hype and it's also great because we've played it so much that it's way uh, easier for me to play it without fucking up so I can have more fun actually playing the song and uh, can get more into it and it's the end of the set so I'm fully warmed up you know, the blood's flowing. I can really, like, put everything into the final song of the set. So I still love playing Burn the World. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with a deeper track off Brace Yourself. Um, one Last Chance is probably one of my favorite to play. Um, it's it's not requested as much, but it's definitely one of my favorite ones to play. Um, yeah, what about you guys? Oh, it's man. a sleeper track, I would say. <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, I like to play... None of the unreleased stuff. <laughs> yeah, none of that. I wasn't going to say any of that. Okay. <laughs> Everlong, next. There you go. <laughs> no, honestly, probably Circles. Circles. That actually yeah. is a really fun song to play, too. That song's fun. It's got a lot of different elements. It's got sure. a bueno breakdown that I like just trashing that china on, man. Yeah, he broke his china like three times during that song. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I would second everything that Andrew said with Burn the World. Um, 
more so because uh, the the verses were lyrics that I had written with my previous band, and they hold a lot of meaning in terms of the X that it is about. Mm-hmm. So Burn the World essentially became the release song for me and all of the emotion that came along with that. And I also still remember the day when we were recording it with Andrew Wade, and he just said, hey, who came up with those lyrics? Let me talk to that person for a minute. And just sitting down with him and you know, having him ask me, what did this mean? What was going through your head at the time? And really seeing how he built the song around the the mood and message of the lyrics and just really made it memorable to go through that process with him and, and then see the song transform into what it is and how it's just our closer that brings all this energy out of the crowd and all of us. And we have played it so much where all of the choreography that goes into that song is just executed so well. Um, you know, I, I only hope that as we play all of our other songs as many times as we have already played Burn the World, we get the same comfort level with, with the choreography and the emotions and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the time being, it's, uh, it's just, it's definitely my favorite one to play. And, and Damien, you didn't actually elaborate why One Last Chance was your favorite one to play. You just said you like playing it. What about it? Just, just lyrically. It just feels like, good. Like <laughs> yeah, it feels good. <laughs> like, yeah, it just feels good, you know? That's all. all right. It has a, it has a really a vibe to it. That's not bridge like the bridge of that's why I love reflections and one last chance because the bridges of both those songs are probably the most lyrically in depth parts of that entire EP and each of those parts are only like fifteen seconds yeah. but it it literally tells the entire story of the song and just wraps it up it's like a little present it's like all right here's a cool beat and Here's the purpose of the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are really good. Those are good bridges. Besides the ones you've already shared, do you guys have any favorite show or tour stories? <laughs> this could get dangerous. Oh, okay. Um, you know, what kind of what kind of audience do we do we have? Is, is the audience one that shouldn't hear the egg story? No, let's just let's we are just never telling the egg. Just story. Yeah, uh, let's keep... do the let's do the Indiana one. All right, the Indiana story. Mike, so, so when we were, oh yeah, Papa Roach one too. Oh. Okay, okay, all right, all right, all right. All right. We'll tell, we'll tell the Indiana story and the Papa Roach story. So when we were on tour, I think it was two summers ago now, and we were driving somewhere between Lafayette and Indianapolis in Indiana. Um, our tour vehicle at the time was not in the best of shape. And earlier on in the trip, the dipstick allowing us to check the amount of oil in the car broke. So we knew there was a small oil leak. We just didn't know how bad it was at that point. So at a rest area in the middle of Indiana, uh, we put an extra quart of oil in the car just to be safe. When in reality, that was way, way too much. So the moment we get back on the highway, all of this smoke starts filling up in the car because it's burning off all the excess oil. And it reaches a point where we realize we absolutely have to stop right now. This is dangerous. We pull like, over. Dude, it was, it was not that it was dude. filling up. It was, like, <laughs> it was like being in Vietnam, and they were gassing the fuck out of it. It was like the air ducts. It was coming from like the windows, like the side it was bad. of the windows. It yeah. was from the floorboards. Everywhere. Like, and, and it's just. 
so so we pull over and we realize what the problem was and we think okay how do we fix this now how do we empty the oil out of this car and we had it sitting for about an hour just running thinking we're just going to burn off the oil which was obviously a very slow process and then um someone comes up with the idea of draining the oil filter or or, uh, releasing it so that it would just spill the oil out on the side of the road and we're thinking isn't that polluting okay maybe it is right as we're about to do this a sheriff car pulls up right behind us because they had seen us sitting on the side of the road maybe a quarter of a mile from a gas station for over an hour now. And uh, he starts asking us what's wrong. He tries to help us fix it. He even drives a couple of us back to uh, the gas station to get large gulp uh, cups to systematically pour the excess oil into there so that we don't pollute the environment or whatever. Mm -hmm. After he leaves, we think, we cannot do this. We're not the sophisticated. So well, the, we, we could have done it. The problem it, was is that it would have made the mess. Well, the mess would no. Like it was high enough. The problem was we couldn't get the plug off the pan, and we we couldn't drain it. Like we tried like using we, the we didn't have any tools. Yeah. We need, so so that brings us to the, the soggy sure. wrench. So so at this point, it had been probably three hours, and we're still not sure what to do. We have a show that night in Chicago, and we think, okay, let's just appeal to the kindness of strangers. And we took the lid of one of our merch bins, and uh, Corey wrote out in large letters, socket wrench, but he forgot he forgot the K in socket, so it said Sochet wrench with a so giant shay. with a giant question mark. <gasps> <laughs> he has been touring for a little while, so we'll give him so, so I'm a very petite boy. I was in the sun for a very long time. I was dehydrated. So we hold up this sign that says Soche Wrench, and within five minutes, a car gets off the highway, pops a Yui, pulls up. It's this guy and his wife. They're in their late 20s. He's a mechanic who works for an insurance agency, something along those lines, and he just said, I can absolutely help you. Pulls out tools, pulls out one of those mechanics mats, gets underneath the car let's releases the oil filter drains all the oil leaves us with some tools such a nice guy just driving home to indianapolis or something and we're back on the road and it was just an incredible moment of you go through that that low shit feeling of oh crap what are we going to do next we have no plan to get out of the situation to the kindness of strangers helped us get back on the road and make it to chicago it was the scariest thing too because like he was a really nice guy and, like, when he laid the mat down and, like, was getting under the tranny and everything, he was like, hold on, I got to, like, adjust myself. Oh, yeah. And he, like, lifts his shirt up, <laughs> and he has a fucking gun strapped to him. And we're like, God, we're like, okay, so, you know, that's not intimidating at all. Not used to that in Florida. Yeah, like, in Florida, like, even though, like, a lot of people have concealed carries, like, you don't see that often around here. So for a bunch of, like, out-of-state boys to see this guy you know, holding, we're like, oh, God. Yeah. Also, I got covered in ticks. Oh, I went yeah. in the cornfield to pee, and I got covered in ticks. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you didn't bring I don't the like car. Indiana oh, anymore. Yeah, so, everywhere on the road in Indiana, like, sorry to anyone listening, but, like... Cornfields and ticks. Yeah, standing there for, like, five and a half hours, and all you can see around you is miles of cornfields, a one, like, a two-way road, and a little convenient gas station. That's the Midwest for you. That was... Uh, yep. So, so that was the adventure in Indiana. Um, another signature moment, a much more brief moment, 
when we were playing Fort Rockfest down in Fort Myers about a year ago, um, the headliner was was Def Leppard, but bands like Chevelle, Seether, um, of Mice and Men, Beartooth, so many big bands were there. Um, Three Days Grace, yeah, yeah. Um, were backstage by catering, and I had just come out of the bathroom with somebody, but I know Andrew and Damien were still in the bathroom. All of a sudden, this one dude walks by, and I go, that guy looks familiar. I, I'm pretty sure he's in a band. And then three more dudes walk by, and the last dude was Jacoby from, from Papa Roach. And as he walked by, I just said, what's up? And then he said, what's up, back to me. And then that was my most starstruck moment because I had never given in to being starstruck, but just having Jacoby Shaddix be like, what's up, man? And then he walked in to take a piss. Oh, now, Andrew cool. Andrew had a much better experience with Jacoby. Well, I was – Damien – so I walked in and I peed. There was only one urinal. So then Damien was peeing, and I was standing and waiting for Damien. I didn't want to leave him alone in the bathroom. <laughs> So I was waiting for Damien to finish and wash his hands so we can walk out together. But then all of Papa Roach came in to kicked, use the same urinal. Kicked the door in. Yeah, they kicked the door in. They come in <laughs> to use the same urinal that Damien's currently using. And they, like, walk right past me. And I'm just like, oh, shit, that's Papa Roach. And he comes up. To, and Jacoby looks at me and goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, were you waiting? And I had already finished. And so I said... No, I'm just hanging out. And he's like, hanging out in the men's room? Circle jerk. And I'm like, yeah, man, just trying to check out some dicks. And he's <laughs> laughing so hard. And I was just like, I made Jacoby Shaddix laugh. Like, yes. Uh, and I didn't want to leave the bathroom mainly because Papa Roach was in the bathroom. So was How often do you get to piss just next gonna, to Papa yeah, Roach? Just gonna, yeah, pissing next to Papa Roach. The other... Now that later in the night, dude, it was uncomfortable because Chet looked over the when I was in the urinal next to him. He looked over, looked down at me, was like, "Nice." <laughs> oh my god, why are you doing this right now? Uh, later in the night, Tyler and I, Tyler, our drummer and I, were in the other bathroom, and I see about a you know sixty-something-year-old man walk in who only had one arm to use the bathroom, and he goes and sits right next, gets in the stall right next to Tyler, and I would thought to myself, I'm like. Well, Def Leppard's headlining. Their drummer only is, like, really famous for being a one-armed drummer. Like, he lost his arm in an accident in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So he's a one-armed drummer, and it's like, that's the drummer of Def Leppard. So I'm texting Tyler, and I'm like, hey, man, you're taking a shit next to the drummer of Def Leppard right now. <laughs> and I think to myself, like, when would I ever say that sentence ever to anyone ever again? Like, that that's the one time that sentence will ever be said. Yeah. So that was really cool. Fort Rock was was an insane day. That whole day was if, so many cool little moments. Just yeah, just tons of day. stuff like that where it was like seeing seeing Papa Roach before they went on stage. Jacoby gets everyone in a group and they huddle and they pump each other up and then they just go out there and fucking kill it. We got to be side stage for Chevelle. For everyone, Every, I mean everyone. After, I, after I remember, played, I was yeah. sitting side stage watching uh, Papa Roach play Scars, and to the left of me, like all the bands, kind of like who were playing the festival, all kind of came out side stage specifically for Papa Roach. Out of all the bands that played that day, the the one band that had the most people there supporting them side stage was Papa Roach. And at one point, I looked to my left. And it's Mark Tremotti from Creed and Alter Bridge was playing. He's like a guitar legend. And the other side of me is the lead singer of Motionless and White. And behind me is like the bass player of Chevelle. And I'm just like, where am I right now? And why do I deserve to be here? Because this is like insane. And we're all just sitting there watching Papa Roach play Scars together. And it was just like, oh, I'll, nev I'll never forget that, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that's. 
tour also, like, even smaller stuff, just, like, seeing different parts of cities and getting lost and... Eating of, different foods from all the different cities, like, that's always a blast. Yeah. God bless Yeah. Yeah. Yelling at cab drivers in your city. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we can't wait. Here. We can't wait to get back on the road, hopefully, as soon as we can. Getting terrified in Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. All right, you guys. Before I ask my last question, where can my listeners find you? You can, We're super easy to find. Everything is We Are Felicity. So Facebook.com slash We Are Felicity. Uh, Instagram slash uh, at We Are Felicity. Twitter is at We Are Felicity. And if all else fails, you can go to WeAreFelicity.com. And uh, that's the easiest way to track us down and check out our tunes. Everything's on Spotify. Everything's on iTunes. YouTube. Everywhere you can find it, YouTube. Yeah, our YouTube is We Are Felicity as well. So, Okay, awesome. So you guys have already been named one of Rock Sound's breakout bands of 2018. What else is in the future for Felicity? Well, we are... We released three songs, uh, two of which were released this year, one of which was released at the end of 2017, uh, and so basically we're releasing uh, our music kind of one song at a time, so we have a new single coming out very shortly in the next month, and then after that, uh, we have a bunch of tricks up our sleeve, we're going to be hopefully touring uh, this summer, we have some stuff we're locking in right now to get out on the road as soon as we can, and then looking forward to that, we are writing more music and uh, hopefully entering the studio again this fall. So uh, we are definitely going to be busy the next few months. All, all, all the things that you would expect a breakout band to be consistently doing with releasing music videos in conjunction with singles, getting the next wave of music ready to go, and just uh, gigging as often as we can in whatever you know regions we are able to make it to. All right, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me here today. Oh, thank you for having us, man. We, we had a blast. Um, you know, everyone, make everyone who's listening, make sure you subscribe uh, and uh, and uh, keep keep following. And uh, we hope to see all of you guys real soon. Thank you so much for the opportunity. All right, I got to give another big thank you to the members of Felicity, that being Damian, Andrew, Corey, Mike, and Tyler for taking time out of their busy schedule. They actually had some things that they had to take care of, some last-minute emergency things that they had to make sure were right for you guys, their fans, and they still took time out of that busy schedule, that busy day, to share the story of the group with us here on Desert Tiger. So... I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and if you did, go ahead and hit that follow and subscribe button. And once again, thank you guys, the listeners, so much for even just tuning in to this episode of Desert Tiger. And if you haven't yet, go over to the Desert Tiger Entertainment page on Facebook, the Desert Tiger Podcast Instagram, or my personal Instagram, Colton.Gesh where you are going to get entered for our amazing Desert Tiger giveaway. It's going to be going all week, so go ahead, hurry up, enter this contest, because by the time next episode comes out, we're going to be announcing our winner. That's right, we're going to be announcing our winner next week on next week's episode. 
So get entered, subscribe to the podcast, and see if you won this amazing sweater and some items from our past guests that include books, music, and a movie. So, alright, now that we've gone and thanked Felicity, now that we've gone and thanked you guys, like always, we like to end things off with a quote. Something to leave you with a little bit inspired, something to maybe motivate you, maybe something to get you thinking about your day. So today we're going to take a quote from Tom DeLonge. When we realize how little we mean to the universe, we realize how important we are to each other. Have a great week, everybody.